Welcome to a Goddess Interrupted podcast, a safe, supportive, and nurturing community where survivor sisters can tell their stories and be heard and have access to helpful resources for your healing. Whether you are far along in your healing journey or just beginning, we are here for you. I'm your host, Christine Sun, Certified Energy Medicine Practitioner and holistic nutritionist, and most importantly, survivor. And today we have a very, very special guest. We have Eliza Fernandez here. She is an EMDR certified therapist and approved consultant. And she's here to talk more with us about her really amazing form of therapy. I can't wait to hear what she has to say. Welcome, Eliza. Thank you, Christine, for having me. I'm looking forward to her conversation. I am so excited we've finally been able to connect. Yes, yes. It was a journey to connect, and I'm glad that we're chatting. (laughs) Me too. Okay, so before I jump into everything, I usually like to do kind of just like a cleansing breath um, to just ease everything and and move into a, a casual conversation. Are you okay to do that with me? Absolutely. Okay, so we're just going to do a deep breath in. So deep breath in. Beyond yourself and out. Shake it out. And let's ask that whatever is said or covered in this podcast is transformed into healing light for you, myself, and everyone listening. Absolutely. Great. Okay, so let's get started. Can you tell us more about you? Who are you? Oh, that's a nice big question to start us off, Christine. <laughs> um, not not super existential, but who are you? What do you do? Tell me. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. Um, so I'm a therapist. Um, my training is in social work. I have a master's in social work. And I've been practicing for almost 20 years. And um, I actually started my career, um, oh my goodness, back in the 90s, I was volunteering as a probation officer and uh, because I had an undergrad in criminology and thought I wanted to go into the penal system. And then I realized that I liked the uh, counseling aspect and not the enforcement aspect. And uh, so I went back to school and I started working with men who had been charged with assaulting their partners. And I got really curious as to uh, why the minimization was happening and how to work with shame and their own history of trauma. And then that led me into working with women and children who had experienced trauma. So my whole career has been really focused on working with trauma. And um, I started off doing... Uh, modalities that were um, that were sort of at the forefront at that time, which was uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, solution focused therapy, narrative therapy, and um, I would say maybe so. How long have I been doing EMDR? I've been doing EMDR for about eight years. I think about it in terms of the ages of my kids. Um, so I've been doing it uh, for eight years. 
And what led me to doing EMDR was I was working with a survivor and I could not stabilize her. Everything I had learned um, in terms of cognitive behavioral therapy, narrative, I could not stabilize her. And she's the one that mentioned the EMDR. And so I got her connected with an EMDR therapist. And then I became curious as to what the heck EMDR was, because I, mm. I wasn't even familiar with it. Um, so I got myself trained and since then have been working mostly um, in that modality and, and obviously integrating uh, things like sensory motor psychotherapy and, um, and using pieces of of the uh, CBT and the narrative um, and um, and yeah that's 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 me in a nutshell I'm also a mom of four kids and mm-hmm. I'm very honest with clients that you know I I'm constantly figuring life out as well um, and um, because you know you're always presented with new challenges like we're in now in terms of the COVID-19 experience yes. and yeah, and that's that's me. Wonderful. So how do you find, totally off topic now, how do you find yeah. having four kids um, at home <laughs> with you during this pandemic? Right, right. Uh, it's, it's been... Uh, it's been challenging and it's been beautiful and it's 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 been um, a whole bunch of experiences wrapped into one so i'm actually coming into the office and doing online therapy with all my clients because i don't have a quiet space at home because there are moments where kids need to be kids right and um, and it's hard for them to um, use their inside voice for seven hours of the day. So, <laughs> so my um, my wonderful husband and partner is um, is working from home and um, and helping the kids with their online learning and their needs. And when I come home, I I take over and we do a lot of bike riding in our laneway because we're in pretty much downtown Toronto, and so. Uh, the way to have the kids outside is to be in the backyard and then to go into the laneway and, and get them on their scooters and their bikes and um, and running around. So it's yeah, it's been it's been a little bit of a roller coaster because they it's online learning is new and and they have some emotions around it and some challenges mm. and um, and I'm pretty impressed that they know so much about technology. Because um, there's a lot that a lot that they can teach me about technology. So um, yeah, yeah. So that's life right now. Yeah. Well, I I think what you're doing is great, and um, I'm sure that so many people need you right now. So I'm just truly grateful that you're here talking to us. Anyway, even though I'm sure you're greatly needed by so many. Yeah, it's 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 lovely to be able to do this because it's it adds to a nice balance between the clinical work and then speaking about the work because it it really does um, it does offer me energy. <laughs> so so I appreciate the opportunity, Christine. So good. So okay. So tell us more about how EMDR works and and what does it stand for as well. Yeah, absolutely. So EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. 
and it was created by a psychologist who just passed away uh, not so long ago, Francine Shapiro, and she developed it just over 30 years ago. And um, and she was curious, at the time she was working with returning vets, and she became really curious about what's ha- what happens in the brain when we experience um, shock, um, anything that takes us out of how we normally regulate ourselves emotionally and physically, um, and what happens when there's this movement back and forth with your eyes, because she discovered um, on a walk that the trees were waving back and forth and she was thinking of something distressing and she felt calm and she thought what the heck is this and so she developed the adaptive information processing model which is what uh, EMDR is based on in terms of understanding what happens in the brain and um, and we have some research that shows that when we experience um, um, events that that shock us that take us out of of our window of tolerance which is how we normally regulate and and physically modulate ourselves that it gets frozen and held in the limbic system of, of our brain so um, so and and um, and so we need to be able to get to that limbic system which is where we hold memories and talk therapy um, works mostly with the frontal cortex of the brain which is the executive functioning of the brain and mm-hmm. we could talk about events until we're blue in our, our face but we don't feel the resolution of the experience because it's not working with what's held uh, limbically um, uh, and so we and so the eye movement um, it so let me back up a little bit so EMDR mm-hmm. is actually an eight-phase model of therapy so mm-hmm. it's just not the waving of the fingers back and forth um, and so the first phase is the therapist is looking at the history of the client but from a trauma-informed lens and um, and looking at uh, the client's experience or person's experience of their attachment relationships and experiences within the attachment and what was met unmet and what traumatic experiences they had and when I say trauma I don't just mean big t traumas there can be mm-hmm. lots of small little t traumas absolutely and, yeah and so um so the first phase is is really doing that assessment and looking at whatever the client feels stuck with how is it connecting to experiences that have been held in this limbic system and that needs to be worked through and so that's what phase one really is phase two is what is called preparatory stage which is really emotional stabilization So you're looking at um, helping the client feel okay with positive affect, which means that they feel okay with calm, that they feel okay with peacefulness, that they feel okay with joy, which is hard when you've experienced a lot of trauma to feel okay with positive feelings because... Mm because that hasn't that wasn't normative if you experience a lot of trauma it you're in this kind of high alert um and and you have to be suspicious of of positive yeah, um feelings and so you're looking at building that that tolerance that that 
it's okay to feel okay. It's okay to be with um, experiences of joy. It's okay to be with experiences of peace, calm. Um, and then you're um, looking at um, assessing for dissociation. So um, dissociation is a beautiful way that we take care of ourselves when we experience shock. And so we're looking at, um, uh, is there any uh, dissociation that that is present? Um, and, uh, and then we're also looking at, can the, a person go from one effective state to the other and is life mm -hmm. stable enough? And mm -hmm. so when we meet those markers and we know what we're going to work through um, based on what their, the, their history, based on the presenting um, uh, problems in life, concerns in life, then we begin to process using eye movement or another bilateral stimulation. So it could be tapping, it can be we use this, um, I call it the buzzies for kids or with adults, these pulsers that basically it's a uh, sensation from one hand to the other. Mm -hmm. um, so there are different ways of doing bilateral stimulation. It doesn't have to be eye movement because some people can't tolerate eye movement. I have a mm. difficult time with eye movement. I, I personally like the the um the pulsers myself um mm -hmm. I, and so um so when we're getting to processing trauma we're really um looking at the person being able to be in the present and be able to visit the past memory experience and work through that um, by just noticing whatever comes up and mm -hmm. it could be um, physiological it could be a thought um, or it could be a feeling and the eye movement uh, um, there is research that shows that that back and forth the whether it's an eye movement whether it's tapping whether it's the pulsers that it elicits a calming effect which mm. then allows for less overwhelm in being able to visit the past. Mm. And, um, and then once you, excuse me, do the work process through the trauma, then you can begin to look at, um, um, uh, you know, how to take the adaptive information that you have of self into future experiences. Um, mm -hmm. Because when we experience trauma, we end up believing something negative about ourselves. We end up with this maladaptive information that somehow we're not safe. Somehow we didn't make the right choice. Um, somehow we were responsible um, or somehow we're defective in, in some way. And, mm -hmm. the, and the processing allows us to work through that maladaptive stored information to an adaptive um, uh, place of, of understanding self. Um, mm -hmm. so, um, so is that, does that feel, do, is there any questions from that or, or do, uh, what are your thoughts as you hear this? Yeah. Um, so, so this this would also apply. I would guess if um, someone's been having recurring dreams, I suppose, where a vision shows it, itself that is traumatic, and and I guess some part of them deep inside is trying to bring it up to the surface to be released. Um, 
<clears throat> excuse me yes so if uh so if they're having recurring nightmares and mm-hmm. or recurring dreams um then because the eye movement so this is interesting okay so i'm glad you brought this up christine because in our dreams in rem sleep we're trying to work through challenges and um, and when we can, when we're able to work through it, because um, when we're able to work through it, the next day we feel refreshed. When we're not able to work through it, then we feel absolutely exhausted. So that bilateral stimulation mimics REM sleep, and it allows mm-hmm. us to work through um, whatever we're we're we're. like whatever the trauma may be so if there is a recurring dream and someone is not sure what the heck this is about i would be curious as to is there a part of them that knows or has some information about what could be coming up related to the dream and another part Mm -hmm. that's kind of in disbelief that that Mm -hmm. it could have possibly happened because you you know there may be um uh a part of them that holds the trauma and um and another part of them that that and that that part has closed it off so that's where kind of you have to look at is there some um some dissociation that that may be present but yes you can always process dreams that's Mm -hmm. but i'd be curious about dissociation sorry christine i Mm -hmm. cut you off that's okay um so I, I've noticed in my own situation and also other survivors I've talked to, we all talk about this experience of, you know, when, when the assault is happening or whatever it is, is happening, we, we kind of leave our bodies and, yeah. and it's like it's happening to someone else and not us. Yes. Um, and I know yes. in my own experience, I was just a little girl, what's well, it happening my whole life, but yeah. when I was a little girl, um, I, there are things I don't remember and they only yeah. seem to come if um, if I'm you know half asleep or something like that, and and someone just touches me the wrong way or, yes. or somehow it triggers a memory that I I don't even know if it's real or not because I I've forgotten it or it's been deleted somehow. Yeah. So um, so that is that is dissociation in a nutshell. Is that when we experience um, trauma, especially very early on part Mm -hmm. of uh but we we leave our body in some way um Mm -hmm. or uh so yes that what you described is very common and that is what dissociation is and so it often you will have trauma responses and memories that come up in dreams or when you have a touch um or um you have this sense in your body and it's like gnawing at you and it's hard to Mm -hmm. to know what the heck your body is trying to tell you um Mm -hmm. and so you can um absolutely work with what your body is storing and um and process through that um so that is what what is referred to as a bottom-up approach to processing which is uh first understanding um someone's internal system so um um uh, you know so let me explain it this way so how i see dissociation in this i've been influenced by um wonderful teachers in in emdr um so people like um anna gomez robin shapiro um 
Dolores Mascara, um, Kathy Steele, who've taught me a lot about dissociation. And um, we are one person and we have a wise self. Mm -hmm. And inside of ourselves, we have different parts and different aspects. And so we have parts that hold on to trauma, and then we have protectors that block those traumas. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be able to work with your wise self and that part that's blocking the trauma and get permission to be able to do the work. And, um, and so, um, before you do any processing, because if you do processing without understanding your internal system, without understanding your beautiful protectors and without, um, having compassion for them and gratefulness for them, then, um, then you're going to become dysregulated. You're going to be, you're going to be thrown. And so that needs to to happen before you do any sort of processing um Mm -hmm. some some people would disagree i i um but that's another conversation um (laughs) but i you know you you need to be able to understand the um a person's internal um system who you know their wise adult self and and those beautiful Mm -hmm. protectors and the uh, parts that are holding on to the trauma and be able to get permission from those protectors to do the work. So, yeah, but yes, in the nutshell, you can absolutely work with what's held in the body. You can work with what comes up in dreams. Um, You just need to do a little bit of foundational work before you process through it. Mm -hmm. So I I have, I've written down some notes as we're talking and I have a few questions. I, so I don't know how to ask you all of these without it being too much to ask. (laughs) (laughs) So Um, just ask away and we'll figure it out together. Let's just chip away at it. Okay. So, um, my first question is, so with children, um, they, they are still not adults and, and often can't handle, adult situations and and especially the trauma that's happened to them um so so with your therapy um how are you able to work with children do that you have to do i would imagine different kinds of exercises and and things that you would have to uh you wouldn't adults wouldn't need that because they're they're grown up Mm-hmm. Um, so good question. So, uh, yes, you can do trauma work with kids. Uh, mm-hmm. you have to make sure that they're safe though. So mm-hmm. if there is ongoing, uh, wounding in some way, then mm-hmm. you, there's, there's, then you have to deal with that. You have to deal with the fact there's still, um, some unsafe elements in, mm-hmm. in the home. Um, and in doing EMDR with kids, um, you have to, um, you, you absolutely have to, to address it differently. You have to use, uh, a play in, in being able to do this. Um, so that, that's where, um, uh, Anna Gomez comes into place in, in terms of, 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 um, my learnings, uh, and being a, um, mentor to, to me, a teacher to me, um, mm-hmm. is that she has adapted the eight phases of EMDR and and um, and 
in how to do EMDR with children and adolescents. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of play elements. It has to be fun, and it ha- and and um, and there um, and so you, you you there's lots of different ways to to um, to do it. There's if kids uh, if the kid is is intrigued by puppets, you, you use more puppets. If they're intrigued by, I I use sand train. An EMDR, so there's lots of, I have shelves of figures in my office, and if they're intrigued by the figures, then I can do the different phases of EMDR using the figures and sand tray. So, um, so it means a little bit more for therapists, it means um, a little bit more training in how Mm -hmm. to work with children and adolescents in EMDR. Um, But yes, you can absolutely do it, and you just have to ensure that um, that there is safety um, mm-hmm. within the home, that there's no ongoing wounding, and uh, and you have to do some work with the parents as well. Um, and so, yes, you you can certainly do it. Mm-hmm. I was just about to go move to parents. So mm-hmm. you know, parents are all everyone's a product of their environment and they have had their own life and their own upbringing and their own traumas that they, you know, maybe they're just not from that school where they think that therapy can help them and they have children and it just continues on the cycle. Um, So with that, um, do you, how, how can you help the parents to not feel like this is somehow their fault? Great question. So that's where when you're doing, so the assessment is different when you're working with kids. So you're, you're basically doing um, an assessment piece with the parents and you're doing a lot of psychoeducation with the parents around patterns that unintentionally get replicated and how um, even, you know, epidemiology has been helpful because we now know that intergenerational trauma does get passed in the genes. Right. Yes. And so I think doing that piece with with parents is helpful and mm-hmm. um, and um, and helping parents understand their own experiences and how um, it may have contributed to parenting in particular ways that may um, have um you know, have wounded their children. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, you know, as a parent myself, I'm constantly learning because as I, you know, as my child is, or well, depending on what kid is going through what, things mm-hmm. come up for me and then I get curious as to what the heck is going on for me? Like, what's mm-hmm. what's this about and what work do I have to do around this so I can be, um, I can be completely present to my child, and mm-hmm. and that's where attachment is so crucial, and all the and understanding the the different needs related to attachment, and um, and what you know what we got and what we didn't get, and what was wounded in terms of attachment. And when I talk about attachment, it's that bonding experience that happens with parents, but in that bonding experience with parents, we. Um, we need particular needs to be met. So just as important as food, water, shelter, we need mm-hmm. to feel seen, we need to feel heard, we need to feel encouraged, supported, safe, um, mm-hmm. uh, guided, and we need to be able to have play and feel like it's okay to play and have fun. 
and um, and so when so you know those needs are all crucial and we all have particular experiences in our life where they were met weren't met or were, or was wounded in some way and um, and when we become parents we unintentionally replicate um, some of that and it's important to be able to do our own work so that we can um, offer that secure bond to our child and offer all those needs to our child or children. Um, so, yeah. Did I answer your question? Does that? Yes. Yeah. I have and then some maybe. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, no, this is amazing. I, I feel like we're going to need a part two to this. Um, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe. Cause uh, we have, we have we only so much time. Yeah. Um, so with EMDR, is, I know you mentioned that it allows for people to be able to look at their trauma and be able to um, um, be okay with it and be at peace with it. Um, do you think that, or, or what can you tell us about um, the possibility? Is it possible to, um, un, I guess, unlearn in a way um, if, if there have been any, uh, anything, anything that, the client or patient has adopted into their life for their mind as a result of their trauma is can they unlearn these things when they're finished with the therapy? Yeah, so great question. So um, in a nutshell, yes. Um, and that's why I love EMDR and, and because I see people being able to move through their experiences to the place where they can look at their past and not feel activated by their past that yeah. and they can look at their past and feel like you know what I did the you know I did the best I could have done I do matter I am worthy I am safe it, um, I did the best I could have done. It's not my fault. So they're able to, when you work through and get to that place of processing and working through your traumas, you get to this place of not feeling stuck, not having the same sort of um, trauma responses to, to triggers. And, mm -hmm. um, and they can look at their past and not be activated by their past. Um, mm -hmm. they're in, and they can see themselves in a positive light. So, so yes, absolutely. And that, and I see it all the time. So after, um, after going through this therapy, is, is it possible for, um, those same traumas or triggers to resurface or, or is it just gone forever once, not gone forever, but they learn yeah. how to handle it? Yeah. So yes, there's a different experience. So you, uh, so essentially, um, so essentially there's peace to, to you. There's like, a, um, there's a resolution to it. If there is triggers that come up, it means there's a part of the memory that wasn't worked through. Mm -hmm. So when you do EMDR and you do it in a way where it's unrestricted and you're targeting a memory and you're working through that memory and, um, and what is connected to that memory and you go from a negative belief of self to a positive belief of self, if something comes up in the future, it's, there's a piece of it that wasn't, um, wasn't worked through. Um, right. and, um, uh, but yes, there's a, there's a completely different um, you're not triggered in the same way. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah. Okay. 
So, um, so who would be a good candidate for this kind of treatment? I know there are some people that, um, even though they might say they want help and they're asking someone for help, they're not always ready and willing to turn around and look at themselves and deal with, with them. Um, so would someone like that be a good candidate or, or who would... So, so the beautiful thing about EMDR is that it's an eight-phase model. And so oh. you're meeting the client where the client is. So if the client is saying, no, I don't want to, I know there's stuff in my past, I don't want to touch it. You're like, okay, yeah. we don't have to touch it. Because there's always going to be a phobia or an avoidance of the trauma. Right. It's hard to, it's hard to, to visit and, and work through that. And mm-hmm. so, um, so, so then you're meeting them where they are and you're, and you're looking at, okay, so what's going on in your life that you're mm-hmm. struggling with? And, mm-hmm. um, and for me to be able to help you, I need to have an understanding of what it's connected to. And if you're telling me you're not ready to go there, then we need to, to honor that. Um, and we um, and and at some point it would be great if we can be, uh, work through that and um, and but you're you're telling me you're not so ready for it and so we're working with that so um, so it, it's you know I never um, uh, uh, you know when I see a new client. There's no way I go straight into the trauma because you need to have that therapeutic relationship. There needs Mm -hmm. to be um, safety. That client, that person needs to feel understood by you. That person Mm -hmm. needs to feel like you're attuned to them and you can track them and understand them. And um, so, um, so I, I, so I do a lot of groundwork before I go into working through the trauma. And Mm -hmm. even in taking a history, um, sometimes if a client says, you know, there's a lot of stuff in my past, but I'm not going there okay, then I know I can't take history. I know I have to like just get bits and pieces of information as we go because they right. they don't have the tolerance. And sometimes mm-hmm. um, when, you know, there is a high level of dissociation, um, th- those, you know, those pieces of information are locked and, and mm-hmm. I can't, and I, I don't know. I, know, I have a sense of, of what they've gone through, but I don't fully know. So, um, so you, you always meet a person where they are. So, um, I never expect to go right into trauma, trauma processing with a new client. And I would never expect someone to do that because it, it, I could dysregulate them and, um, and they, and, and they do this work and they, they think, you know what, she was nice, but I'm never going back because she just took me to this place because when you're processing, you're in the present and visiting the past and you're allowing for any associative links to come up, whether it's experiences Mm -hmm. in your body, whether it's Mm -hmm. emotions, whether there's memories that come up related to it, whether it is uh, beliefs or thoughts. And so it's, 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 um, I need, you know, you need to, know how they emotionally mm-hmm. regulate and physically modulate themselves before you go into processing because they're otherwise you 
you destabilize someone. Um, so, um, so anyone it, it can do this work, but you need to make sure the therapist uh, knows how to work with wherever you you're starting. Um, so there's no expectation. Um, I don't have an expectation when I meet someone new that I'm I'm gonna you know process X Y and Z or yeah. or you know it. it, it that would be foolish of me. Um, mm-hmm. So, so anyone really is is, uh, but eligible. But you, because you, there's this eight phase model, and you're and mm-hmm. you're starting in phase one, and you're mm-hmm. looking at okay, what's the history here? What's the trauma here? Um, mm-hmm. And you know, whatever they're presenting with, whatever their challenges are, if they feel stuck in some way, if they feel anxious in some way, if they feel um, depression in some way, whatever the symptoms are, you're getting curious about how are these symptoms possibly connect- connected to experiences they have had in their life. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go. Yeah, I'm pretty much done, Christine. <laughs> otherwise, I'll <laughs> otherwise I'll go on forever and ever. I really appreciate that you you understand having to bring that client to a place of safety before because not not everyone goes um, to that place and they just jump in so I really appreciate that you do that um so with uh with with aftercare um do you recommend that the client or that the patient has um some sort of homework that they do or or what, what, what do they do for aftercare? Um, so the beautiful thing about EMDR is that it, unlike cognitive behavioral therapy, you don't get homework. Mm-hmm. So it's really just noticing your, your, your ex- experience. So depending on what phase of, of, um, what phase you're, you're in with a client, then mm-hmm. you're, I will oftentimes just ask them, just notice whatever that feeling is and when that feeling is coming up and, um, and just notice the beautiful message that feeling is giving you or just notice your body. So whatever the phase you're in, I might just ask them to, to just, to just notice that and just be with it without, you know, um, uh, to just be with it when you're in processing you know that you're uh, you've addressed dissociation you know what the dissociation is of the client you know how to work with their dissociative um tendencies and um and so um and so you're you're just uh, so uh, when when they're processing, you're constantly checking in and making sure mm-hmm. they're with you in the room as you're doing the work um, mm-hmm. so that when they go home, they don't, you know, have a um, dissociative experience and shut down and right. um, and uh, or they don't go into kind of a hyper aroused state. And mm-hmm. um, so um, so I, I don't. So there's no homework per se. There's mm-hmm. just a mindfulness of, of noticing what's happening for you and, and right. being aware of it. But um, mm-hmm. um, and then when you're in processing trauma, you're 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 knowing, you know, how the client um, has taken care of themselves in the past and how it will come up in processing. And um, and so, um, yeah. Um, okay. So there's no homework. There's 
just a encouragement to understand and recognize your internal experience and, and honor it. Um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that's really good. Um, so I know time is the ticking. So let's. let's yes. Yeah. So maybe we we'll chat another time about possibly um, having a, a, another conversation. Um, but thank you so much for having me, Christine. I really appreciate this, this opportunity. Would you tell our listeners really quick um, where they might be able to contact you if they were interested in a, Sure. Um, So I, unfortunately, my practice is full and I'm not taking new clients. Um, I am working with a lot of um, other EMDR therapists doing clinical consultations and can possibly guide people um, in the right direction. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, I am part of a practice with two other um, professionals, another trauma therapist who's also in the same boat as me in terms of not being able to take new clients, and a wonderful mm-hmm. osteopath um, who works with um, the body and uh, moving trauma from the body. Uh, he mm-hmm. also does craniosacral work, and, and he's the person that connected us, so you know who I'm yes. talking about, uh, the mm-hmm. wonderful Elias. Um, mm-hmm. and my my website is out there. It's Eliza Fernandez, E-L-I-Z-A, Fernandez with an S at the end, dot com. Mm. Um, and uh, so that's a way to connect me or connect with me. I'm better at emails than I am voicemail, to be honest with you. So if someone sends me an email, I'm, um, I'm faster to return an email than I am a voice, um, a voice message. Um, and yeah so that's a way to connect perfect well thank you so so much um i know you have to run so i was going to ask if you had a message but i won't do that because i know you're in a rush so um maybe you could email us uh sorry um just give me a message that i could add into the description if there's any final message you wanted to convey to everyone Um, but i won't keep you because i know you have to go yeah, I, I do have to go because I, I have a client now at 11. Um, uh, uh, maybe I can circle back to you and, uh, and, and we'll, of course. Uh, yeah, um, because I, I'm not uh, like a message in terms of the description of our conversation or, and um, so, so I'm, I'm a little unsure about what message you mean. So we'll connect later. Is that okay? Of course. Yeah, you okay. will do your thing. Thank you so much. It means the world to me. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you, Christine. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Take care. You too. Take care. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye. Hello again. So when we left Elisa last, she said that she was going to send us a message for our listeners. So without any further ado, here is her message. Quote, we can heal trauma and have a felt experience of being safe, having done the best we could have done, and being damn worthy of love for self and for others. End quote. Thank you so much, Eliza, for that wonderful message, and we'll see you all in the next episode. Bye bye.